I scratched a bug bite. Now I got blood everywhere. <laughs> no, it's all good. That's not down down south, man. Yeah, I think it's a it's an old horse fly bite or something. Oh, geez. Well, um, again, well, coach, I just wanted to wanted to thank you again, man, for taking the time to come on here. I know, uh, I know, you guys got a lot going on, and um, yeah, in preparation for for this, I was I read your book. I've never I never read it before to swing your sword, so I read it. Oh, was, you read uh, it? Yeah, man, it was awesome. I wish that I was more into reading and learning prior to being in college and being on your team because I would have loved to know all that stuff prior to, you know, do my homework on you before playing for you. So it was really, really cool to, to read all that about you. Well, I, I'd like to get back to reading more. There's an awful lot of good stuff on TV nowadays, you know, mm. just a lot of documentary stuff, history stuff. One of the wildest was uh, it's called Operation Odessa. Okay. And it's about some international criminals that when the Soviet Union began to fall, uh, they were going to purchase a submarine for Pablo Escobar. Oh, wow. And all this really happened. And the guys are just sitting there describing it. They're just describing how they went about it. They just interviewed him. And it lasts like, uh, you know, two hours. And it's like captivating. And they're all still alive. And that's insane. I had to go to prison, some of them. Yeah, but it's on like Netflix, Operation Odessa. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, you've you've added some tats since I saw you last. <laughs> yes, I have, man. I've uh, that's my tattoo journey started at Washington State, and it's uh, it's continued, man. I've I've never looked back. Yeah, we shouldn't have let you get off campus. <laughs> you know, it's a shame because uh, you know, the thing is, everybody's chasing bigger and faster, but. Uh, you know, you were a better player than some of them we ended up with. So we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have let you get off a of campus. Uh, well, I, I really appreciate that, Coach. Thank you. I do. But I, uh, you know, the two years I, I loved playing for you. I loved that team. You know, the two years I spent with you, I learned so much. I think that's why it was so cool um, reading your book because I was like, man, like I just learned so much and things that I take into my life. But you subconsciously beat it into us without us knowing that it gets to the point where I, I say things that you said to me and you said in meeting rooms and I'm like, wow, man, it's, it's really cool. Like just how simple you made everything. Well, you try to, then there's less to keep track of, you know, I mean, if you, as you go through this whole, you know, any journey of life, whether it's, uh, you know, tattoos or football or your day to day stuff, I mean, uh, you know, the simpler you keep it, the further you can get faster, you know, it, it, man, it's, uh, it's awesome because first of all, on, on be uncommon, why I started this is to, is to celebrate the distinctions of, of everybody. Cause everybody's so unique. And the thing about you, which I love is that everybody talks about how unconventional you think, and you have one of the most creative minds I've ever, you know, witnessed. So it's really cool to see your approach to how people make football such a complex game and then how much you relate it into life. And like I said, how much you simplify it. But I mean, why do, why do you believe in taking such an, such an uncommon approach to life and, and football? I don't know that it's uncommon or not. And I don't really think about it. I think that first of all, um, I didn't grow up in a coaching family. And then I, uh, after law school, I <clears throat> uh, started coaching football and, 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 and coaching is a uh, is uh, is kind of a trade, you know, just like anything, just like plumbing, just like uh, electrician, just like you know, radio or TV, and just like uh, 
law school. I mean, you you learn the trade. I mean, that's the the first thing you do is you learn the trade, and um, and then you know. So I guess in the course of that, just try to figure out what works the best, and whatever works the best uh, is the best way. And then, and sometimes I think in everything. Um, you can get cluttered up by conventional stuff. You know, there mm -hmm. might have been, say, a guy previously, you know, decades ago that uh, uh, was very successful and did things a certain way. Um, but, uh, you know, in some cases probably was successful in spite of doing that particular thing. And then that particular thing never gets purged uh um, from, you know, the, the operating procedure, they never get rid of it. <clears throat> and then it's like, well, somebody way back when, you know, some famous coach, he did it this way, then this guy did it this way, then this guy did it this way. <clears throat> well, uh, still good coaches, certainly, but uh, if you did it a different way, it might be even better. So I don't know, just try to look at everything with a clear mind. Just try to, um, um, you know, um, uh, don't let, uh, you know, media or convention uh, do uh, your thinking for you. Uh, do it yourself. Don't be afraid to be wrong, but yeah. don't be so stubborn you don't change because, yeah. you know, you learn stuff along the way. I mean, that's uh, kind of the purpose of uh, taking a, a specific position to begin with. Like, you know, what I don't like is these guys don't take a position. They don't really take a position. Well, you can't adjust from not taking a position. Then you're just sort of wallowing around i mean mm -hmm. take a position all right then boom you're wrong well then you have something to correct from you know you go you head this way or this way and get to get to a better spot and i think uh, i think that's important to do i think it's important to do with uh <clears throat> pretty much everything and so then um um <clears throat> but we just always tried to find a simpler way because as a player um <clears throat> You know, you got so much to worry about on top of playing. I mean, on top of being uh, strong, fast, and, you know, so is the other guy, and he's trying to stop you. Um, we always uh, used to say a clouded mind uh, equals slow legs. Well, you know, um, the, the more decisive all your guys are, the better you're going to be. So you got to simplify it. Yeah, I think. One of the main things that you used to always touch on on the field, and you said it again, you said clear mind, but I know you hate hesitation. And I think that was a huge thing that stuck with me even after football was like, you can't hesitate. Like you're so anti-hesitation. Like you said, you need, you need to pick a side. You need to go. You catch tuck, turn straight up field, get going. Like there's just no hesitation. And why, why is that so important? Well, you got to avoid all hesitation. Um, you know, first of all, I mean, we film everything, at least football-wise. We film everything. So we film everything. And so then, um, uh, you, you, you know, you might make a, a mistake. Well, then, okay, go this way, not that way, you know. Mm -hmm. Do it like this, not like that. Well, if you hesitate right there, um, you know, you've made a mistake that, could have been prevented, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. we'll change the direction off film, or we'll tell somebody to get their ass low off of film. But um, you know, if you hesitate, you, you can make the right direction wrong pretty fast. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, 
one of the things that really resonated with me reading your book was was how you talked about how you're so interested in like human behavior and as a coach like you have to understand human beings and how to communicate you talked about developing these skills right. communication analyzing human behavior and why being able to connect with people is such a big deal and i think not only for coaches but you know parents ceos i mean anything you're doing in life i mean you need to be able to connect right well, I, I think that everybody's, you know, motivated by something, you know, and then whatever activity you're in, you want the people that are most motivated and uh, can't stand to lose or uh, not be successful because um, then, you know, every resource they have will go into being successful. Yes. I think that's huge. Um, it's kind of like our goals we used to have, mm. uh, be the most excited to play, be the best at doing your job uh and, and uh, be a team you know i mean uh work together and your your job may change you know as you improve your skills well it's also going to change if you get worse at your skills but um but uh you know you, you always want to constantly focus and uh develop uh, uh what you've got but the people around you are going to be critical the people around you are going to be critical and you want those that are extremely highly motivated. I, I get asked a lot, <clears throat> is it a lot harder to coach um, guys nowadays than it was, uh, you know, um, 25 years ago, however long I've been coaching. Yeah. Maybe it's 30. But anyway, shoot, it's more than 30. But, um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, no, it's really not. You know, it, 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 it's really not. I mean, either guys really, really, really want to play football, either they're really committed to football or they're not. And those that are committed, uh, they'll sacrifice nearly everything to be successful at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are the guys you want. And then, you know, even though the distractions may manifest themselves differently, um, you know, maybe before it was a distraction and, <clears throat> this was a distraction now you got some more elaborate distractions but you know um you know if you're a distraction guy i mean you let a variety of things distract you uh, but if you're truly committed and really really want to play um uh, that those guys will remove the distractions themselves um or if you help them and make them uh, realize that they're distractions uh they'll get rid of them i mean you know, I, I think the distractions change, but I don't think the people who are committed really do. Like, mm. um, so from that standpoint, I think it's the same. You know, when I was a kid, uh, when I was in high school, um, <clears throat> now I didn't have as many newspaper articles written on about me as, as some of the better athletes did, um, <clears throat> but I had a big track meet and I, uh, you know, in, in, in you know, it was pretty good for a sophomore. I placed in the long jump and in the in the eight eighty. Well, wow. I definitely, well, I mean, and not just me, but kids carry around a little newspaper article you know, <laughs> for a month or something. Well, now the information changes. Now the distractions change, and the pats on the back change uh, a lot more quickly. But you know, just because. Uh, uh, a guy nowadays may get an update, you know, <clears throat> every eight hours or something, which is a distraction. Well, yeah. uh, that newspaper article that we used to carry around, that's just as big a distraction. Yeah. Made us relax, made us think we had it all figured out, you know. 
Yeah, you, it's all just outside noise. I, remember, I love when you used to say that because it really, again, simplifying, easy. Be a team, be the best doing your job, be the most excited to play. And then everything outside of this locker and everybody outside of this room doesn't matter. And I love that because it, it, it you take that into life as well. Like all this external bullshit that goes on, it, it it's not serving me. I don't need to worry about it. All I can control is me. I love when you talk about all we can do is work on us. I don't care about what anybody else is doing. Well, I need to do more of that myself. I mean, as I'm uh, kind of decompressing a little bit before the season, I need yeah. to, you know, uh, you know, get rid of the bad habits, form some new good habits, like we we talked about. You know, because I, you know, if you get in the habit, and what happens is I'll get in the habit of reading, and then I'll read a couple books before I drift out of the habit of reading. And yeah. all you got to do really is maintain it. I used to have a deal where. Well, now I try to record everything and fast forward through the commercials. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I used to have a book there, and, and the thing was read every commercial. You mm. know, I'd read every commercial. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how fast you can get through some stuff. Now, yeah. You got to kind of shut out the commercial. You got and some people struggle with that, but you got to be able to concentrate on what you're reading during the commercial. But, uh, I'll tell you the other thing I do reading, like sometimes people get bogged down and uh, I need to do a better job of speeding through the bogged down parts because there's a lot of good material I may de deprive myself of just by getting mired in there and then uh, and then you uh, procrastinate going back to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that you're a relentlessly curious person, like you like to learn and you like to grow. And I think that's why people get so fascinated because every time I, I played at Washington State, like, oh, you, oh, you played for Coach Leach, you know, and what, what's up with the Pirates? And, you know, everybody asks about like all this stuff, like, because you're interested in it, but it makes so much sense of how much it relates to life, whether it's the Pirates or the Apache Warriors and, and Geronimo and all these things that that speak or, or that spark your interest. You learn about it and you realize how much it, it pertains to football, especially, but just in life. I, I love that part. Well, the, the pirate thing kind of uh, <clears throat> started on its own a little bit. Uh, we, you know, like uh, Washington State, we talked about everything from, you know, grizzly bears to World War II to, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the wild dogs of Africa to yeah. uh, Geronimo to um, various generals to to pirates. Well, the pirate, what happened with the pirates is, um, is Michael Lewis had, uh, just read, written Moneyball, yeah. and he's the same guy that wrote Blindside. Okay. And um, um, fo football, wide wrote Moneyball, wrote Blindside, wrote The Big Short, wrote Liar's Poker. He's written a ton of books, and he's a great guy too. Well, anyway, so um, um, he comes out and uh, and does an article for New York Times Magazine, and um. You know, so Michael Lewis was around for a whole week. I kind of missed him when he left because, <laughs> you know, everywhere I'd go, Michael Lewis would go. I had somebody to, you know, eat my meals with, uh, yeah. you know, pace around with, uh, ask rhetorical questions to, you know, just <laughs> uh, really talk at, you know, and um, and we're getting ready to play A&M. He stayed the whole week. Uh, we ended up on the cover of uh, of uh, New York Time magazine, and um, the uh, 
And when he interviewed the players, they told him about a speech on pirates I'd given. Mm-hmm. And the pirate speech, I had a museum replica sword. And, um, you know, that was, uh, it was a replica, but it was from a real pirate sword. And, and um, so, uh, well, and I'm talking about the, the similarities between, you know, the pirates team effort and our team effort. And, and there's actually quite a lot, like yeah. a surprising amount. I mean, uh, 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 a crazy amount. Like, for example, um, you know, forget uh, different races or different countries, but rich people didn't hang out with poor people back in jolly old England, which uh, didn't turn out to be all that jolly, you know. <laughs> and then, um, and well, so so it didn't matter where you were from on a, a pirate ship. If you could help get treasure, you know, you were a valued crew member. And then <clears throat> crews could elect their captain and they could also impeach him. It depended if they could get him into treasure. A captain um, got uh, a double share. Uh, he even got a certain amount for a right hand as opposed to a left hand. Oh, wow. He <laughs> paid to be a lefty. Yeah, there you go. In other words, you got more... Uh, for your right hand than you did your left hand. but And then, um, uh, so there's all this stuff. And, the, and then, um, and as I'm doing it, I'm swinging that sword around, wandering mm-hmm. around, swinging the sword around. And it's kind of wild that there's some people that, you know, are kind of scared of a sword. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and so... I'm pacing around the front of the room, swinging this thing. And, you know, afterwards, you know, some of these guys immediately race up there because they want to touch the sword. (laughs) Okay. Other guys, like, as they go by the table, they make a big bubble away from the sword after having seen it swing around. And, um, well, at any rate, uh, so, um, he wrote about that, uh, speech and then, um, well, once he wrote about it, then in Lubbock, Texas, flags popped up. People started wearing hats. Bands started um, <clears throat> singing pirate type of music or playing yeah. pirate. I mean, and the thing took off and fans, everybody really had a pretty good time with it, you know. And then um, <clears throat> at one point, I got a little tired of it and figured, well, um, but uh, but you don't have any choice. Yeah, you don't have any choice. Then we played one team that uh, um, this coach was a great big guy that says our coach could eat your coach. Well, I got (laughs) I got to thinking I don't have any choice on this, and uh, I could do worse than being a pirate. You know, absolutely. And I I like the similarities you said. Like the pirate takes care of its sword, and how the the guys their body is the sword, and to swing your sword and be fearless when you're swinging that thing, and a thing that I really uh, enjoyed, I mean, even at Washington State, I remember there would be some days that I'd be eating eating dinner a little late and you'd be coming in and you just tell me about all the different stuff that you did before coaching. And I love how you said in your book, you said that you, you make it a point to know a little bit about everything. And that's kind of why you have this relentless curiosity. But I mean, I remember you told me about you were, being, you were a swim instructor for a little bit. I mean, you went to law school. I mean, you, you, uh, you did all these different things prior to uh, coaching baseball you know, prior to becoming, you know, a, a college football coach. So, I mean, what were all the things that you did prior? 
That was kind of interesting. Yeah, a lot of stuff. I mean, and um, you know, because you can learn uh, something from anybody, you know, and um, you might learn what not to do, but you can learn something from <laughs> anybody. And um, <clears throat> I'd go around the, you know, the hills in L.A. and and give uh, at your pool swimming lessons and. And it's interesting. I had some fairly famous clients. Um, you know, one was the guy that created Baywatch. I, I taught his kids, and you know, this was years before the thing took off. Then in Valdosta, by then I was coaching in Valdosta, Georgia, and the most mm. famous uh, show in the world's Baywatch. You know, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, um, but uh, oh, I did. I did all kinds of things. I mean. When I was a kid, you could get a job. Uh, you know, uh, Cody, Wyoming's a tourist town that has ranching, and it's near uh, Yellowstone National Park. And I'm mm -hmm. from Cody. Yep. And so, <clears throat> and it wasn't some child labor thing, but we just wanted money, you know. Yeah. And um, I had a paper out when I was uh, like uh, 11 or 12, which I don't recommend. <laughs> it was early morning, and I've hated early mornings ever since. And then the other thing, just imagine, you know, 30 below zero wind blowing Cody, Wyoming, and I'm out there on a bicycle trying to deliver papers. <laughs> One day the bicycle, you know, you know, I had it on the kickstand, ran up to put the paper in the thing and wind gusts caught the bicycle, blew all those papers, just gone. Oh, shit. Every one of them just gone. <laughs> and uh, what an unmitigated nightmare that was. And oh then, um, uh, let's see. Um, well, I painted houses. Um, <clears throat> painted houses. Worked at uh, this mansion. The guy was the, he was the head of Husky Oil, uh, president mm -hmm. of Husky Oil. Um, Husky Oil was founded in Cody, Wyoming. Wow. Uh, they eventually got bought out by Marathon. But out west, um, years ago, there used to be Husky stations all over. And it had a Husky on it. You know, yeah. they were orange, orange and blue and had a Husky. And um, <clears throat> so I worked at that mansion, which was viewed as a real luxury hotshot job. You know, it's a <clears throat> one of the groundskeepers. There were two of us. And that boy, I'll tell you what, and they paid pretty well too. Yeah, that was, that was the most boring job ever. I mean, <laughs> well, because what would happen is I'd be over a flower bed or clear one section of the grounds, the other guy's over at the other, and the only time you heard a human voice was uh, at lunch. You know? Yeah, and boy, was that monotonous. I thought, and um, and the grounds were just beautiful. Uh, then I went to. The Irma Hotel, which was built by Buffalo Bill Cody. If you ever go to Cody, Wyoming, you got to stay at the Irma Hotel. Okay. Or go eat there. Um, but it's old school. The founder of <clears throat> Cody, Wyoming built it. And so, uh, uh, well, and they have this restaurant where all the tourists come. And, you know, and I didn't mind washing dishes, busting tables. Yeah. Uh, and you could eat anything except the steaks. Like when <laughs> Frank, they'd feed you anything, but not the steaks. You could have fried chicken, great hamburgers. You know, and the firm had good food. And, um, oh, I mean, yeah, 
you know, and, and so I'm, I'm like in high school, I'm like, uh, oh, you know, 16, 17 years old. And, um, well, basically, you, you know, all, all, a bunch of your friends from high school are coming and going there, you know, smoking hot tourist girls are going through <laughs> and, um, and, you know, just action. I mean, in the, in the, you know, busing the tables and washing dishes was regarded as kind of a, a lower status job, mm-hmm. but it was a lot more fun. And then <laughs> the highest, uh, the highest, uh, job that a high school kid would get in Cody. Well, now if they worked on the oil rigs, everybody hated it. It was extremely difficult, but it paid insane money, like crazy money. Wow. Like to the point where all the, you know, a certain number of college prep guys never went to college. <laughs> I mean, because, and this is way back. This is way back. They're making over a hundred thousand dollars a year right out of high school, Shit. And, they, and they live in a they live in a, a, a trailer house with you know other guys who went to high school with. You know, there's a stack of beer cans as high as the <laughs> trailer, and then there's all these kind of luxury trucks and boats and stuff that they bought with their oil money, and then they're always going to go to college next year instead. You know? Yeah, yeah, and then. Um, because yeah, oil paid a lot. And then I never did get one of those jobs, tried to. And then um, uh, and then now to, to work for the city, you had to know somebody, and I didn't. So I didn't get to work for the city. Because that'd be stuff like hanging out in the parks, changing sprinklers, seeing yeah. all your friends when they go by. You know. <laughs> but the best was garbage man. Somehow they paid you like, extra money to be a garbage man the garbage man had a route and if you hauled ass on your route like they'd get done in like six hours well then they just drive around for two hours in the garbage truck and laugh about everybody that was still at work and had to work <laughs> and then they'd show you all the stuff that they found in the people's garbage that they thought was noteworthy that they were going to keep i mean <laughs> that that was the one we we're all jealous of and then um uh but yeah i uh well then when i started coaching i substitute taught um mm. uh which wasn't bad you know um oh i went one time oh well, i had so many student loans from law school went to law school at pepperdine and i uh <clears throat> so i would uh at Iowa Wesley and I both taught classes and took classes. I taught classes to make money. And plus I had a Juris Doctor, which counts as a doctor degree. And then, um, and I took classes to defer my student loans, you know, just study something. And I was gonna take a classes by then, but I had to take something in order to defer my student loans. Yeah. It's a... Yeah. Uh... It's a, it's a crazy, it's a crazy journey. And it was really, really, really cool to, to, for you and your book, when you demonstrated kind of your journey. And I loved how you talked about giving a bunch of credit to football wives, you know, talking about your wife and talking about just the process. I remember the one uh, part where you talked about, you came home and you're like, Hey, I'm going to make $3,000 this year. And she's like, Oh, that's not bad a month. You're like, no, for the year. year. (laughs) No, made more money than I did for 10 years. Wow. 10 years she made more money than I did. 
and I wouldn't be here without her. I mean, because she she made all the money, and then you know, and then one year lead to the next, and um, and then uh, and we typically won and got better and got better. So then, uh, but no, for ten years she made more money than I did. I was like, uh, oh, I was crazy. Oh, I was probably thirty-eight years old when I first bought a house. Wow, that's awesome! You know what? Um, now, who all you, do you have on your show? You've, you've you've done a bunch of podcasts. Yeah, we've done we've done quite a few. We've been doing this for like two years now. Uh, wow. This one, and I did one uh, with another college teammate of mine uh, when I was in college. We had a couple guys on there, but we just kind of started getting our guests on because uh, I've been moving around and stuff. I'm in Austin, Texas now, so kind of getting settled in, and so wanted to uh, have guests on and i remember i was talking to trey and when you got in the car and you were talking to trey and you you brought up the podcast and i was like i'd love to have you on man just just everything every time you talk and you speak i learned something and it's uh it's incredible so i definitely wanted to have you on here and, and, and pick your brain well yeah you know trey's hilarious trey's <laughs> like uh he's kind of an opie cunningham character <laughs> he's like the kid why can't you be more like the tinsley kids you know <laughs> I yeah. mean, my my parents would tell me that even now, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a good guy, man. I, I I love Trey. We go obviously way back. He was my quarterback in high school, and he actually he knew about like Washington State way before I even um, got the opportunity to go play there. And I remember, and then we talked about it, and he actually ended up coming. It was it was awesome, but it was it was just such a good time uh, at Washington State with you, man. Such a good time. Yeah, well, we we should have kept you there. Um, <laughs> We should have kept you. You know, you end up uh, those deals at the end of the year and try to figure out, you know, how to stretch everything and whatnot. And um, heck, you'd already scored a couple touchdowns, and uh, you know, we're we're a reliable guy, you know. And then plus, you're getting better and better. <laughs> now we, uh, and and uh, you know, there's a few. Occasionally, there's a deal that as a coach you botch and you wish you did it different, and you're definitely one of them. Oh, well, I, again, I, I really appreciate that, but I, I learned, man, the kid I went in to Washington state and what I came out was amazing to, to you and that coaching staff and, and learning from all these guys, which is, which is really funny, like reading your book and you bring up coach McGuire and you bring up coach Graham Harrell and you bring up these guys that, you know, I, I, you know, know now as a coach, but you saw them as kids and you coached them as kids and, um, so it's pretty cool to see that perspective too, but I really appreciate you saying that, but I just, I learned so much from, from your program and, um, it goes deeper than football. And I think at the time, you know, even guys that you have right now probably don't realize how much they're learning until they leave. And you're like, damn, like I, I learned a lot. I, I did. That was, that was a great experience. You know, it's kind of funny. There was a guy, there's a guy, Robert Johnson and, um, and, you know, we kind of butted heads throughout his career. Um, he had uh, been a JC quarterback, and then I felt like other guys uh, performed better at quarterback, but he could run, had great hands, very athletic. Uh, so he ends up <clears throat> being a, a tight end, the Y. Mm. Um, he caught a wheel route for a touchdown in a very famous uh, game against Texas A&M where we cut their heart out. Mm. At Kyle Field, last play, Graham Harrell threw in the ball, and um, uh, and it was a heck of a play. And then uh, uh, 
so then Robert, because, you know, Robert is from backwoods, uh, Georgia, you know, very country. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, in, you know, wanted to play, wanted to play. So he goes to Finland and, uh, you know, and there's not a lot of minorities in Finland, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, so he played quarterback for years and years, you know, Porvu, which is a quieter town in Finland, you know, and he played for other teams too. Now he's like the whole country in the world of football knows Robert Johnson. I love that. <laughs> but he played for the Porvu Butchers. Wow. And, uh, play a lot of times also played for the Roosters and, and now he, he bounces around in coaches and, uh, <clears throat> But he's, I thought he'd last three days. He's still there. And, wow. Uh, you know, he's uh, got a, a wife, kids, or whatever. And then, and I talk to him probably once every month or two. It's kind of funny. And, but about the time he got into coaching, uh, you know, we kind of got on the same page. Well, also, <clears throat> you know, and even as he, because the level of football there's, uh, you know, not quite, uh, major college yeah you know so you know so I, i'm not sure i think robert's still playing quarterback into his sport <laughs> he's the tom brady of finland he is probably kind of i <laughs> uh, got uh you know got the uh, heck robert was he could have been mike linebacker in finland but i, I he probably didn't want to hit him that much but uh <laughs> but i'll tell you what uh yeah yeah made a whole life over there. And he was always very kind of a quiet sort of shy guy here, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, what, what a deal. You, uh, in both your books in Geronimo and in, uh, Swinger Sword in the beginning uh, of the introduction, people are always talking about how they're, they're going to interview you because of your ability to find these diamond in the rough guys. And, um, you know, I, I, take to being to that list in the sense of like, I had no, no offers division one or any interest really division one until, you know, you and coach Mealy gave me the opportunity. And you obviously have a huge track record of these guys, you know, of, of the river Craycraft, the West Walker, the Danny Amendola of these guys that, you know, that you've helped bring, you're like, people are like, where did this guy come from? You know what I mean? And you gave them an opportunity and what, what do you look for and what do you see in some of these guys that other people don't? You know, the biggest thing, well, first of all, think independently because, you know, these recruiting services, in many cases, they are journalists, but they're basically glorified journalists because, you know, whether they're journalists directly, they're still wanting to uh, sell their commentary on recruiting Mm -hmm. and just report on it, whether they have any business doing that or not. And under the best of circumstances, that's mixed, whether they have any business doing it. Um, So I think uh, you need to, when you watch recruits, think independently. Um, I also think there's a difference between measurables and being a really good player. Mm. And I think you're better off betting on really good players instead of strictly measurables. Um, And then, you know, and you kind of want a guy that jumps off the screen as far as being a really good player. And then, you know, you try to see if you can live with the limitations. And then um, in in some cases, and there will always be elements of this, you know, the guy's uh, this tall now and you expect him to get taller, uh, weighs this much now, 
you expect him to weigh more. Um, uh, and then you feel like you can make him a player. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. And you um, have to do a certain amount of that in order to make sure that you have a big, fast team. But, you know, the um, – <clears throat> but don't I, – I, I try never to forget about uh, being a good player and toughness. And there's a difference between – being a guy that measures out. I mean, you want all of it. You want to get yeah. all of it. But, and then the, the fact that uh, somebody's overlooked, they overlook them all the time because uh, part of it, these kids are getting growth spurts and everything else. And, and to really resonate with the recruiting people, <clears throat> you have to kind of get on the list when you're a sophomore. And a lot of guys develop a lot between junior and senior year. Mm. And sometimes classes are all uh, – full by the time a guy's a senior. Well, you know, there's some great seniors laying around there that just developed late. Yep. And um, so I think you got to be more open-minded than I suppose some people are inclined to be. And then, of course, you don't ask journalists what to do on third down. (laughs) So I think it's kind of a dubious idea to ask journalists uh, what to do on recruiting, you know. Uh, I mean, those lists are a starting point. Somebody likes something. So look at them, but you know I've seen four or five stars. I thought that I did not think were very good players, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, I've seen um, you know two star guys that I thought were really good players. I felt like we stole. Uh, avoid selfish guys like finger pointer kind of guys. Get rid of them. They divide the team, and everybody says, "Well, <clears throat> nobody listens to them." I, I think I think one negative guy. As odd as it sounds, is uh, is is uh, is more powerful than a, a real positive guy. I mm. mean, everybody's going to get tired. Everybody's going to get sore. Everybody's going to want to relax. And it's sure at times a lot more appealing to listen to that guy. So, like th- I think you you know you either got to change those guys or you got to get rid of them. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's amazing. Like I said, when you when you just simplify it and you're like, I want guys that are just going to do their job. Can I rely on you to consistently focus and do your job? And I love um, the story you tell about Wes Welker when you, you said you're sitting there watching his high school film and you're like, dude, this guy's high school film is ridiculous. And he comes in and he's like, listen, like I need a scholarship now or I'm not, you know, I'm not coming or whatever yeah. that, that story was. He sure did. <laughs> yeah, that was after signing day, too. You know, I got in-state tuition at uh, Oklahoma wouldn't let him walk on. Oklahoma State uh, <clears throat> uh, would let him walk on uh, in-state tuition. I'm either going to Oklahoma State walking on or I'm coming here if you offer me. So, <laughs> yeah, it was our first year, too, so we hadn't given them all away. Oh, my God. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep, and then we figured uh, – good team guy, good scout team guy. He started every game he ever played left, got left as the all time leading punt returner in the history of college football. Uh, Did not, did not get invited to the draft. Didn't even get invited. It's crazy. It's uh, those are the stories that uh, I love. And they're just so, they're so inspiring. And I think the theme of, of all those guys and what you like to say yourself is, is why not me? You know, that's a title that's a title in your book and we actually created the llc me and my partner uh, it's called why not us holdings it's kind of like we manifested this holding company why not us right so i love when i saw that that title um you know because 
be uncommon is all about doing. And you said that we have too many non non doers these days. Like people are so afraid of how they might look rather than just experiencing the journey. They're worried about how they'll be perceived. And I mean, how do you deal? I mean, I don't even think you deal with it because I think you just block out that noise. But if you do, if fear creeps in or doubts creep in, I mean, how do you deal with with that kind of stuff? Yeah, that, it's uh, you just keep putting one foot in front of the next. And I also mm. think, um, you know, good friends are kind of critical there because sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you need to kind of pull off vent. Uh, uh, not that their advice is always 100% helpful, but just to talk about it and get it off your chest, I think is helpful as you continue to proceed forward. So try to gather some guys you can trust. Um, you know, you won't have that many. I mean, maybe one to three, if you're lucky, if you're really lucky, you might have three. And then, um, uh, well, and you just gotta, you just gotta keep going forward. Um, uh, I got a John Wayne thing here. Um, uh, what's it say? It says, uh, uh, it's something like courage is being scared as hell and saddling up anyway. Hell yeah. Something like that. And it's cool. It's got the Duke on it, you know? And yeah. Yeah. And so then you can like your grandkids and your kids, you know, you can, uh, point to that sign while you're bossing them around, you know? <laughs> But the thing about when you you talk, I mean, this this book is incredible for anybody, your, your players, uh, business owner, whatever the case is, because of the leadership qualities it talks about. Even you say you, you hang all these signs around around the, the facilities, which I love. There's all these signs, you know, you see them everywhere. But you say in your office, it's four times bigger in your office, all the signs, because it's it's on you. You're you're the head of the of the show. Right. You're the captain. Yeah. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. So just, yeah, I mean, always uh, take control. I mean, whatever you can con control, control it. Don't throw up your hands, but always control what you can control. Yeah, no, no palms up, guys. We hate, we hate oh, palms I hate up, that. guys. I hate that. <laughs> and I hate the, uh, somewhere along the line, there was some deal where you're supposed to clap your hands and that flushes it out or some deal, it's some psychology stuff that I don't subscribe to. I mean, yeah, get rid of it or make it go away. But, uh, you know, I don't like those hand clappers. Like they're getting ready to take a rep. Yeah. And then they botch it and they clap their hands. The and then, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's no better than the my bad guys. And then some of these guys that are playing without a lot of confidence, uh, you'll see them about halfway through the rep. You know, they're already, they're so prepared to do the hand clap. They already start doing it while the the reps still going on, you know, and uh, no, I don't I don't like that hand clapping stuff either. No, it's it's not it. I think uh, one of one of my favorite things that you said. I mean, this applies. I love it football wise, obviously, and offensively, but just in life, you talked about how do you get the most out of your offense? You utilize all of your people. You attack all parts of the field, and I think that's just obviously offensively, like you utilize everybody. I mean, I think you were kind of the first person i saw like your your receiver rotation and all these guys coming in coming out and and literally how many people catch the balls in games and you're utilizing everybody because you brought them in for a reason you talk about bringing people in to do a job and allowing them to do their job yeah you try to attack the whole space and you try to utilize all your personnel 
So get it in all the skill positions, hands, and um, and then uh, you know you want to you want to be able to attack uh, vertically and horizontally, whether you do it by formation or you or you run there, and then um, and then um, uh, well, and I think that 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 uh, sometimes it's tempting, and it's really tempting to overcomplicate that stuff because everybody's got a bunch of good plays, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you go to a junior high. I mean, there's good plays everywhere. I, I mean, there's good plays all over the place and it's always tempting to run them, but there's a point to where uh, football has always been a game of execution. And if you're going to be uh, good at it, if your team's going to be good, you have to be able to execute. And that's uh, being able to do the same thing over and over again, really fast. And, um, so, you know, if, uh, you know, you don't need 20 plays to attack the flat, no. you need three. Okay. And then if you like the other guys play better, uh, you know, you got to cut one of yours and use the other, fine, use the other guys, but you got to get rid of one of yours, Yeah. you know, and then, uh, cause you can only teach and execute so much, uh, you know, and it's one thing if you uh, – we don't change plays as often as we change techniques. Maybe the yeah. other guy's technique's better. <clears throat> so we'll incorporate their technique within our play. But the hardest thing is to make the choices and trim your package down to something that's manageable that, uh, you know, you can uh, drill constantly every day over and over and over. And then these guys can do it in their sleep and then you can really start executing well. Yeah. And you do drill it in there. I mean, I know we never had a playbook obviously, and I still know the plays like the back of my hand as far as how everything goes. And um, it's, it's, it's crazy how just, I love the wrinkles on it. You know, you have just these simple plays, 61, 62, the 90 series, and then you have your little wrinkles on it and the, the tags and, and all that stuff. And it's incredible. Like I said, how, how simple you make it. And I think one of uh my favorite things about playing for you and then seeing these guys that talk about playing for you is how you just created an environment um, where kids can come as they are and be authentic. You give them the ability to stay creative and then you maximize their potential. And that's how you create this environment. Um, come as you are and then, you know, go to work and, and do the work. Yeah. I don't want guys, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, all worried about what they're wearing or not wearing, you know. Um, once in a while, you'd hear some coach make everybody take their hat off. And I'd walk in there, the only person that had a hat on was me, you know. <laughs> and, and you know, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, not take the hat off. But, <clears throat> you know, when I walked in there, I looked good in that hat. And, and <laughs> I figured I'd keep it on and because none of this take your hat off stuff came from me. You know, I mean, that, that, that I didn't have anything to do with that. Now a coach like within their meeting can, uh, you know, have it how they want, but, uh, I didn't want them thinking about their hat. You know, where's their hat? Is their hat off? Did they remember to take it off? No, I want them thinking about the next play. You yeah. know, I wanted them thinking about stuff that counted, uh, for all of us, you know, and, um, and, uh, that, you know, that's the other thing is we tried to be, um, relatively casual when we traveled. Yeah. Um, cause you know, some guys are, 
going to waste a bunch of time imagining and creatively coming up with the fanciest suit. <laughs> uh, other guys aren't going to feel comfortable in that suit at all and may not have one. Well, I didn't yeah. want any distraction of that. You know, then it was, mm -hmm. you know, wear what Milton JP gave you, which are going to be <laughs> warm-ups, you know. Milton JP, man, I love those guys. I miss those guys, man. Good people. Good people. I love uh I love play the next play. I mean, that's just uh I mean it helped me through my football career, it helped me through life of just play the next play. You can't go back and change what happened. Like you have to just that's you have to have a short memory. Play the next play. Yeah, that's the only one that counts. That's the only one you can control. That's the only one that counts. And and what I love about it is, you know, uh leading up into that game when you're at Texas Tech and you guys are about to play Texas, uh when they're the number one team. And it's, you know, that that crazy game when Coach Harrell throws the ball to Michael Crabtree and tiptoes up the sideline. And, you know, you said prior to the game, everybody's talking about how big this game is. And you said, well, yeah, this game's only big because we took care of business every week before. You yeah, know? So exactly. There, I, you know, there, um, yeah, there, there's no big games unless you win a bunch of other big games. Uh, the biggest thing is if you're working on all cylinders and full focus, uh and that type of thing i mean there shouldn't be some adjustment i mean where was this full uh incredible effort uh you know uh every week because you know the thing is is you're constantly trying to pound on uh your ceiling of potential you know here's where you're at today keep trying to you know excel 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 so that you raise the bar again and then so you keep developing and that's something that has to be practiced every day. It can't be, you know, one of this, well, I'm a gamer, you know, mm -hmm. type of fraud. See, gamers are frauds. Mm -hmm. Gamers are guys that could do it every day, but they choose not to for some reason. Mm -hmm. Heard. Heard that. I uh, I love that because it's how you do anything. It's how you do everything, right? You can't half-ass one thing or, or dog it in practice and expect to turn it on on, on Saturday. And I love I love that. Uh, just the mentality, like the, playing for you, it was so it was so simple. It was so I'm not going to say easy because it's not easy to play for you, but it's easy to play in the sense that you just have to do your fucking job. That's it. Like show up, be a good dude, do your job. Like you don't have a ton of rules. You know, you have the, the necessary ones, obviously, like you're not hitting women, you're not stealing, you're not failing drug tests. Do those. Don't do those three things and then do what the hell you're supposed to do. And it'll it'll be pretty easy, you know, like. Yeah, the well, you need people all committed and going the same direction, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want guys that beat women because those guys are cowards. Nobody wants to have a coward on the team. And then, um, you know, a thief, that's somebody with no integrity. You don't want a guy you can't trust in the locker next to you. And then, the you know, the drug guys, you don't want you want somebody with some priorities, uh, their priorities to have their body and mind and, as good a condition as possible to help your team, you know? Absolutely. And you and talk about the other thing, so the dope guys, you know, some, some guys function differently under it, but mm -hmm. the, you know, there's a lot of those dope guys that, uh, you know, they, they don't care if the guy gets tackled or not, you know, mm -hmm. they, they become these kind of a uh, passive ambivalent guys. And, and, you know, I can't afford to absorb all those guys when they get like that. Yeah, it's coaching is not a like you said, you have to have everybody. And like when you say everybody as a head coach, you 
are talking about managing the team to the other coaches, to the equipment staff, to the ADs. Like you're man, you have to have all those people going the same direction in order to be successful. How do you how do you manage all of that? Well, you try you try to hire the best people you can. And the other thing is uh, is uh, <clears throat> you know delegate, provide the vision for it, and then delegate it out. Mm. And then, um, but I think the more space that you're able to give them to the, do their job, if they're a truly committed person, well, then their innovation and their ideas, I mean, it'll allow them to spawn some good ideas. They'll come up, uh, you know, a, a lot of times with better ideas on how to do things. Uh, the other thing that they'll feel comfortable and there'll be kind of a, you know, just sort of a, a, a flow to what they're doing rather than somebody herky-jerky all worried about something that, that, that they're, you know, somebody's looking over their shoulder. You want them, you know, to be clear-minded as they do their job and also uh, feel like that uh, <clears throat> that they have the freedom to innovate too. Yeah, absolutely. You said borrowing from all these great minds helps you create your own philosophy, which, which I love. And that's how I've been living my life as well, just trying to learn from all these different people and create kind of my own philosophy about life. And, and another thing that you said, you said the three resources in football, which I think also pertain to life are time, space, and resources, um, or, or time, space, and personnel. I'm sorry, time, space, and personnel. Yeah. You want to create as much of that as you can. Well, I mean, if you were to really, 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 really simplify, <clears throat> what is an offense trying to do? An offense is trying to create space. What is a defense trying to do? A, a defense is trying to eliminate space. Um, and then, of course, the better personnel you have uh, to do it, the better you're going to be. And then, um, and then the the uh, uh, and it's not always you know who's biggest, who's fastest. Sometimes uh, you know if you adjust your you know approach to attack it, and the right people, right place right time and you know that's you're constantly looking at what somebody's skills are what their skill set is how you can use it how you can get it on the field and what's tricky about it is it changes you know it, it typically changes to the positive but it'll change a lot and um you know it's always amazed me um i don't know why it's such a jump i think when they get away it some stuff kind of soaks in a little bit, you know, maybe it just sort of settles in the mind, the body, whatever, but you'll go from bowl practices where you get a chance to work a bunch of the young guys mm -hmm. and then you'll get to spring football, which is only a few months later. And it, it, it's generally amazed me um, uh, <clears throat> how big a jump they take to the positive. I mean, there'll be a significant jump to the positive where guys just all of a sudden are significantly better by a, by, you know, an impressive margin. Yeah. I think spring, I think, like you said, going from bowl prep to spring ball, I think there's almost like an expectation, like lifted off of you because when the older guys go inside, you kind of know that all eyes are on you, I think. And I so, agree with that too. And so you're starting to kind of get in that flow and then you get in a spring ball where you're like, okay, it's, it's like, I don't know. You almost feel like in your very, the thing with you and I tell kids this all the time about playing for you is that you're going to play the best guy for the job. And I, and I truly believe that I don't, you don't, you don't care if they're a freshman, where they're from, 
you'll play the best guy. And I've seen it several times. And I think that's why the that jump happens because you're like, if I can get better, I can play. You know what I mean? It's like it's a true thing with, with you. I think sometimes the older guys being gone helps some guys. You yeah. know, the older guys being gone, then they kind of see their path to being there, yeah. being the guy, and then there's a mm -hmm. kind of a clarity and a higher level of uh, motivation. But yeah. um, there is a lot of development, though, between that period. I mean, it, it, it's always kind of amazing. I love that. So what so you're you're in Key West, Florida right now. What's like this process for you kind of heading into season? What's life like right now? And what are what are you kind of getting into? I'm just kind of getting rested up and then uh, uh try to exercise more, which I I haven't so far. I need to. <laughs> it rained a bunch today and then oh, no. uh, um and uh no, nah, but it's uh, you know, it's a great place just to you know, if you get bored, just go for a walk. You'll see something interesting. I love that. I also read in your book, they were talking about traveling and how you like to travel. And you say when you go somewhere, you like to learn everything about the place that you're in. So a normal tour that'll take somebody two hours, somebody described as it being like eight hours with you. But I love that because you're soaking in everything around you. I mean, how many, how many more opportunities are you going to be at that place, you know? Oh, I read all the stuff. We went to Tombstone, Arizona one time. Okay, so Tombstone, you know, as you leave uh, Tucson, and you're into that thing for 60 miles, no matter what happens. I mean, well, and actually, you're into it for two hours just to get in and get out, because it's about 30 miles in, but it's the windiest 30 miles on Earth, really windy, and and um, and so you get to Tombstone. And I'm reading everything, and it's got Doc Holliday, it's got Wyatt Earp, and also a little bit on Geronimo. Wow. So the Apaches would come and go from there. And, um, <clears throat> and, of course, they sent out a posse to get Geronimo one time. Like hell, they never even sniffed Geronimo. <laughs> and, um, so they... Uh, so anyway, there's all this stuff, and it's a great exhibit. And there's this theater where you can literally kind of visualize, uh, you know, the Wild West and, and um, Tombstone. And it's just boiling hot out there, crazy hot. And so then there's the family, you know, wandering around. Kids were younger then. Yeah. And boy. And they're, and they're literally sweating, like sweat running down their face. And then, you know, so after about, you know, two or three ice cream cones a piece, they told me that's enough. We have to get in the car. You've seen enough. We're heading out. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what's, what's been your favorite your favorite place that you've ever visited, traveled to, or, or anything? That's hard to say. You know, yeah. they're all good for different reasons. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, vacation for your money. It's hard to beat Hawaii. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, if it's about water, beauty, and uh, now Hawaii is an early to bed place. Uh, most parts of Hawaii are, you know, early up, early to bed. Um, and then, uh, I mean, Europe in general. Yeah. Okay, but like uh, specifically, um, it's sure hard to beat like Croatia and Italy. 
They're right across the Adriatic Sea from one another. And, um, you know, in a lot of stuff, the same, um, you know, medieval time period. And, um, you know, it's interesting, off the coast of Italy, there's like uh, three islands, one of which is Venice, which mm -hmm. is an incredible city. you got to go to Venice. Yeah. Okay, then on the other side, uh, you know, Croatia, there's like 1,200 islands. So however the volcano blew, I mean, that's that's the way it all crumbled up. And then, um, and like uh, uh, several of those, like that one castle on the Game of Thrones, it's right there. That's and true. it really looks like that. Um, you know, the Lannisters, where they live. Um, I can't mm -hmm. remember that the, there's a name of that uh, kingdom, but yeah where the lannis it literally looks like that crazy and so they they you know they shot scenes from a number of these old castles and old cities scattered around croatia there and that's really impressive uh you know paris is impossible to not be captivated by there's something everywhere you know london or anywhere in england they have the greatest tour guides ever they know everything they can tell you everything um but just like great cities and kind of for the same reason, uh, uh, Vienna, Budapest and, uh, and Prague or, or, you know, cause you know, there's parts of it that weren't destroyed. Like Prague was never destroyed. And so it's literally like it was back in the day, a whole lot of it, you know, do, do you travel every year? Try to this year went to, um, Panama and Colombia. Oh, nice. How was that? Went to Cartagena. Um, didn't have time to cover all of Colombia. You know, Colombia, you know, is a big country and it's all divided by mountains and ridges. Um, so it's almost like city states instead of uh, a country because these cities are, you know, have natural barriers to them. Mm. Um, so we went to Panama. Panama, very safe, very nice. Uh, a little Americanized, um, but some really good relics, you know, um, Captain Morgan and Portobello and, yeah. uh, you know, him robbing uh, Panama City, the whole thing, uh, laying siege to it, holding it for ransom, everything else. <clears throat> so a lot of kind of cool history there. Went to the canal, which that's interesting too. And then, um, and then we flew to Cartagena which is an old uh, uh, city from colonial Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, Sir Francis Drake ca uh, captured Cartagena. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, and a number of people, uh, uh, the English in particular, but also the French kept, captured Cartagena. They just found like uh, um, <clears throat> one of the biggest wrecks of all time off the coast of Cartagena. Oh, wow. Yeah, billions of dollars worth, they say. Wow. And I don't know how, how easy it'll be to get. I think it's in pretty deep water, but uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a story that was kind of out there within the last two or three weeks. Um, uh, so it's a walled city. Um, it was a little dicey. You know, there was a time where, um, they said Columbia was real safe, you know, got safer, 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 real safe. I, I, I think it's getting a little wild again. Mm. And um, 
And, uh, but, uh, you know, the food was good. Some great beaches, uh, you know, just, uh, checking it out. It was, it was pretty good. It was a good trip. It was, you know, uh, usually we go a little more exotic except for we are limited for, with time. And, uh, so this kind of, uh, fit things. Uh, let's see. Well, last year we went to, uh, Dubai and Tanzania, mm. uh, you know, Zanzibar city there, but yeah. so Arusha back there, you know, went through all the national parks, Serengeti, uh, uh, Nagora, Gora and Taran Jerry, you know, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It was really impressive. And then, um, Oh shoot. One time we went to, uh, Oh, Israel, Jordan and Turkey. Mm. Um, went to Cambodia, Taiwan one time. So I try to check them off each year and it kind of depends on time frame a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I definitely, I need to, I never, I've only been to Mexico outside the country. So I know here I'm trying to get out here soon and start, uh, start traveling. I want to live in Costa Rica for a little bit. I want to go be a monk for a little bit. You know, I need to, I need to go see, uh, I need to go see it. See what's going on out well, there. Costa Rica is really impressive. So's uh, and I haven't even scratched the surface of Mexico. I've been a number of places in Mexico for sure, but Mexico's a country with a ton of dimension to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at the color. They got coasts on either side, full mm. coast, incredible mountains. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Costa Rica is very nice. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go to Costa Rica again. Yeah. I need to, I want to, I want to live there for a little bit. That's That's one of my goals. I want to, I want to be a tropical in there. My girlfriend's from Hawaii. So I spent quite a few, few, uh, quite, quite some time on Hawaii. They're on the big Island. Now the big Island's probably my favorite Island so far. Oh, yeah, I like Hawaii the best, but, yeah. uh, the big Island's definitely impressive. Yeah. Lots of, lots of beauty. Um, another where, on the, where, where on the big island is she from? She's from the Kona side. So, yeah. um, yeah, the, the Kona side and it's, uh, it's incredible. We've definitely gone over to the Hilo side, uh, all those waterfalls. And oh, stuff. I love Hilo. Yeah, and it, it's, my, it's a minority opinion. Of course I hate golf because yeah. I'm not going to golf. So that's not an issue. <laughs> um, um, I actually think I, and yeah, you get a lot of rainstorms. Mm -hmm. but I think I like the Hilo side the best and it's, it's pretty local too, but I've never oh, had yeah. any problem. They always say that, you know, but I've never had any problem. You go up and I mean, all they'd be these, you know, just these big guys like you played with, you know, you <laughs> yeah. talk to them anyway. And, you know, they start smiling and uh, you have a pretty good time, you know, oh, they're, they're the people there are amazing. I love the, um, I've never had an issue either. It's very local on the big island, which I like. It's not very city. It's very like country, like local country. And uh, like you said, as long as you respect the island and respect the space, like they're going to respect you. They're very, very amazing people. Well, in Hilo, you're going to have trouble finding a place to eat because, you know, yeah. you'll go down the street and yeah, it's full of people and the food's fantastic, fantastic but there's not a window or you don't even see anything's going on there. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can't just pull on doors and somebody will say this one here and you open it up. It's full of everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, uh, it's beautiful. Um, uh, one, one, uh, on both, on both your books, 
there's a Matthew McConaughey quote, and I wanted to know. I'm a I'm a big Matthew McConaughey fan, so I wanted to know how how you guys met. Uh, we originally met. Um, <clears throat> well, he was a football fan of the Big Twelve in general, specifically mm-hmm. Texas, and um, and then Under Armour used to sponsor. We were an Under Armour school. Under Armour used to sponsor the ESPYs. And, um, well, and so then, um, you know, we went to the ESPYs, and I met him at the ESPYs. Mm. Um, and so, uh, actually, the after party at the ESPYs is where I met him. Oh, wow, that sounds fun. Yeah, and so then, uh, well, then as a result, uh, you know, our paths have crossed a number of times since, and, uh, you know, of course, he's always a lot of fun, and you know, just kind of a wide open sort of philosopher type of guy and has an interesting take on stuff and does a, you know, just a, a, does a tremendous job. So he's always great to talk to. Yeah. Have you read, have you read his book or listened to it? Green lights? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I remember when he, uh, heck he went, to, uh, yeah, he went, uh, he went to, uh, Marfa, you know, I mean, I'm sure he wrote it a number of different places, but went to Marfa to get some. Uh, Marfa's where they have the Marfa lights, pretty isolated. Mm-hmm. Some artists go there. Guy, the way it sounds to me, he got himself a cabin or whatever, and uh, <laughs> pulled up in there and started writing some stuff. Yeah, man, that's the best. You got to go in the wilderness. That's what all the great people say: is go isolate in the wilderness, man. Well, Marfa's more like flat, just flat white grass. Oh, and I've actually seen the Marfa lights. You know, those are those lights that they wonder if they're UFOs. Evidently, there's some people that have never seen it. I saw them within the first 15 minutes of standing out there. Wow. And it's pretty bizarre. I mean, they're, um, they've been around for a long time. I mean, they're a part of Indian legends, too. And... Um, I don't know what to think it is. Uh, my gut feeling would be something like static electricity or something, but initially you think it's the road behind, but again, it was part of Indian legends and that road wasn't behind there before. And then the, the lights will still show up when a car doesn't appear to be coming. But what they'll do is they'll just sort of dart in and dart out, you know, just these quick spots of light. What? Do you do you believe in aliens? Do you think they're they're among us? Well, I, I I don't think we're the only inhabited planet, no. yeah. but I don't think that you know. Regardless of that, I sincerely doubt the Marfa lights have anything to do with life on another. <laughs> well, you'd be the most boring alien ever <laughs> if all you're doing is hanging out in Marfa, Texas. Yeah, like you got nothing better to do. I I you know everybody says well it's impossible and it's really far fetched to suggest that a nether planet is inhabited. I think it's farther fetched to say of all the billions of planets that are out there, because we know it goes on and on and on and on and on, you know, literally whole galaxies uh, beyond what we can see. I think it's a far bigger stretch and and, and uh, pretty impetuous on our part to say, oh, well, we're the only ones. No. Oh, really? We're the only ones. We're that special. Only us. You know, nobody else gets to have their own planet. Nope, only us. I mean, I just don't believe it, it unfolded like that. And then um, and then I don't believe it unfolded like that. And then um, 
And, uh, you know, depending on how you read the Bible, the Bible suggests that uh, the potential for such things. And then, and then, you know, if it can happen here, it can happen somewhere else. And, um, and I suspect it did, but uh, I don't think it's a bunch of uh, uh, bored aliens saying, well, what are we going to do? Well, I don't know. You know, uh, for the last uh, 500 nights, we've been going to Marfa, Texas without a break. Well, I guess we'll just go again. <laughs> I, I don't, yeah, I, I, uh, if you can figure out your way to get, how to get all the way to earth, uh, you know, uh, you would move on from Marfa pretty quick and go find some other uh, stomping grounds. Well, it's, it's crazy to think that we are all just literally on this floating rock inside in a space of eternity going on well the best is talking to the barstool sports guys i was on them one time the guy says he says yeah and, and now there's a there's a good reason that contradicts that which interestingly enough i can't explain it but he goes <laughs> he goes he goes listen he says i think they've got it all wrong he goes i think the sun's cold and the earth is warm well, then, of course, they start laughing at the guy. He goes, he goes, of course I'm right. He says, you know, he goes, the closer you get to the sun, the colder you get. For example, start out at sea level. Now get on top of a mountain 10,000 feet. Have you gotten warmer or colder? He says, then when you're flying in a plane, uh, okay, the ground temperature might be 70 degrees. And what does it say? You know, 50 below zero, depending how high you are on the air. Uh, so he goes, you got colder. Why? Because you're getting closer to the sun. Whoa. And he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, the sun's cold. He goes, the earth's warm. The earth's what keeps us from freezing from the sun. <clears throat> and um, well, and then of course, there's a scientific. Uh, you know, reason for all of this, which I can't recite. Uh, so his logic is pretty solid on that. Then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you get a, a real science guy, he cuts through it uh, pretty quickly, but uh, it doesn't okay. make you think. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, everything makes me think. I think I reached a point in my life where I, I question everything. I just, I realized that I don't know shit about shit. Well, then he says, then he says, uh, he also says, okay, and how about volcanoes? How about, vol like the big guy, how about volcanoes? He goes, now that stuff's extremely hot. Where's it coming from? Inside the earth. Oh, yeah. He goes, so what heated that? that? He goes, what heated that? He goes, the sun didn't heat it. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, they talk about that when you're like in science class, like the core of the earth and how it's like literally like lava down there. Right. Crazy, crazy. Well, it's uh it's it's been it's incredible to talk to you coach in all aspects all the time. I uh I really appreciate you taking the time to get on here and just and just talk life and uh I'm definitely going to be at a game this year. I don't know which one yet, but I've been bugging Tinsley, so definitely going to make it down to Starksville. I'm excited to see uh what's oh, going down there. Yeah. Come to any of them you want. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna be in there, man. I definitely uh gonna come by and see everybody. And uh and, man, I love it. I love the uh the squad that you that you bring with you too, man. It's it's good people. Well now, what are you doing nowadays? Just the podcast stuff or you got other stuff going on? 
Uh, I'm doing uh, I'm doing some other stuff. I was doing some some sports performance training a while back, and then yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah, I do some. Uh, I do just kind of holistic uh, life coaching too with athletes. We work on identity stuff, where um, helping you find your identity outside your sport. So when you're playing, you're playing free. You're taking the pressure off, and just kind of helping kids kind of maneuver through. A lot of college athletes I work with. Um, you know, trying to work on that mental health aspect of it, of just kind of helping them maneuver through college. Because playing athletics and going to college, as you know, as a coach, it's, it's hard. It's a lot, man. A lot's going on. So, yeah, yeah. That. And, uh, yeah, doing a lot of – been wearing a lot of different hats, but I'm out here in, in Austin, Texas, and I'm, I'm loving it, man. I absolutely love it out here. Well, Austin's nice other than traffic. Yeah, yeah, true that. Go to, the, go to the Broken Spoke. The Broken Spoke. I've never, I've never even heard of it, but I'm going to uh -huh. go because you said – I think it's called that. Anyways, it's an old, uh, just a real cool country western bar. Okay. And then there's another place. Golly. Well, they play music there, and the whole shopping center's closed. Rusty Ware, may rest in peace, used to play there every Thursday. It's in the shopping center that's got... Uh, uh like an italian restaurant's the only place open and they play country music there at, really? uh, but uh, no austin is uh yeah uh, good food and uh good food and uh great uh spots to go and uh yeah and then uh you know uh yeah traffic and then uh uh you know obviously full of uh uh for the most part, relatively weak politicians, but, uh, yeah. you know, maybe the, uh, the occasional strong one in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's, a it's definitely an acquired taste out here. It's definitely different, which, which I really like the diversity of everybody. And it's just, you, what's cool about out here is nobody gives a shit about what you're doing. Everybody's just worried about themselves in like the best way. Like you can be as weird as you want, do whatever the hell, like nobody cares about you. You're just, everybody's doing their own thing. Well, then they take the kayaks down the the river, yep. too, which is pretty fun. I got one guy; he's always uh, got his kayak in the river with, uh, and uh, you know, his drink and his kayak. Him and his uh, girlfriend do that every night, or his wife, you know. I love that. I love that. It's uh, it's amazing, man. Well, it's just it's awesome. Well, life comes full circle, man. Getting to play for you, and then you know, having get to talk to you like this, and. Uh, Definitely, like I said, coming out to see you guys and watch you guys play and, and hang out with you guys here soon. So, yeah, we'll definitely come anytime. I appreciate you, Coach. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to me and and to have this conversation. I really appreciate you. Yeah, well, let's do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. You have a great rest of your day, Coach. I really appreciate you. All right, you too, Bubba. Good talking to you. All righty, all righty.